Welcome to Public Domain Video Theater presented by the great detectives of old time radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Well, today we've got something unusual for you. Uh, caused by the episode being mislabeled, this is a, a program called Federal Witness, and it is formatted as a U.S. Marshall episode. However... The information I have shows it was broadcast as an episode of Sheriff of Cochise. We're going to get this all straightened out. After the episode, uh, the original air date on this one from Sheriff of Cochise is December the 13th of 1957. before. As long as you're in custody, you'll be fully protected. Sure. But after we get off the witness stand, we won't have long to live. Sanford will see to that. Don't you worry about Sanford. You get through testifying, he'll go to Alcatraz. And he'll stay there. Yeah. Sanford's got friends. He'll wait till the heat's off, and then... The trouble with you, Franklin. You too, Toledo. You guys have more respect for your former Confederates than you have for the government. Told you to relax. Who is it? It's me, Sheriff Henry the Porter. Oh, just a minute, Henry. Come in. We'll be in Tucson in a couple of minutes. Good. Uh, we won't be coming out till all the other passengers are off. I'll call you. Good in. Thank you. Will we have protection when we get to the station? Yes, there'll be someone from the marshal's office. They'll look after you. I bet they will. What would you pay off with? A bundle of Sanford's counterfeit money? Just got off. 
to see you again. It's about time I got up your way. Uh, Andrews, will you and Roberts take these men to the car? Yes, sir. Frank, you're looking great. Well, you're not doing so bad yourself, Jim. You better watch out, Alan. Your son's giving you some competition. <laughs> Say, what does it take, a federal warrant to get you out of Cochise County? <laughs> Looks that way, doesn't it? How, sir? Oh, still after me to retire. Well, it's about time, isn't it, Alan? Now that Jim's following in your footsteps. Well, that's just it. She says that she served her time as the wife of a United States Marshal. Now that our son is becoming a deputy, she's got to go through the whole kitten caboodle again. You know, Mother Frank, she wouldn't be happy if she didn't have us to worry about. Yes, I know. Jim, you go on with them. Meet you at the house for lunch. Right. See you soon, Frank. You bet, Jim. Real chip off the old block, Alan. Pull it out, now! Emergency. The marshal has just been wounded. Will you send an ambulance to the Tucson Railroad Depot immediately? Request all cooperation of federal, county, state, and city law enforcement agencies in pursuit of a four-door white sedan. Late model. Two men, at least one wounded. These men are armed and dangerous. Set up roadblocks on all highways leading out of Pima County. Cover airport and all bus stations. Two men would put their lives on the line for you. Let's go. Can you make it to the bus station? I'll leave the car here. Hurry! Hurry!
Take it easy, Jim. Sarah. She's outside, Alan. Waiting till they take you to your room. Frank? Frank? Frank, take over. Oh, Alan, you've got a long way to go. Yeah? Thank you. Well, Sheriff, check the airport again. No chance of him getting the plane. What about the bus station? Uh, four officers questioning every outgoing passenger. Good. Sheriff, everything is covered. Who's on the railroad? I am, Sheriff. No more passenger trains till night. Any freights? Yes, but the state police are covering the freight station with the railroad detectives. Okay. Sheriff? Yeah. We lift the prince from that sedan, sent him to Washington. What about the gunman they picked up? He's been shot up pretty bad. He's identified as a Harry Nextdorf, an ex-con. The other one? No lead on him. Huh. All right, I want all of you men to pick up shotguns, pair off, and comb this city from one end to the other. We'll get him, all right. When we do, 
Now, wait a minute. Let's get one thing straight right now. I know how you feel, but I want this man taken alive if possible. I want to know who's behind this. Okay. Roberts, Andrews. Yes, sir. Get the hospital on the phone. I want to talk to the doctor. All right. Is there any chance of this guy getting in the residential section? What? I'll notify the radio and television stations, put out a newscast, warning the people of an escaped gunman. Yes, sir. Oh, and Andrews, you better call every doctor and pharmacist in town. Those bloodstains behind the wheel tell us he's been wounded, too. Yes, sir. Who's in charge here? Him. You sent for me? I'm Paul Orville, Jack Sanford's attorney. Oh, yes. Where can I find Sanford? Frank Morgan, aren't you, from Cochise County? That's right. Sheriff. Excuse me. Doctor. Frank Morgan, doctor. The wounded man the police brought in this morning, can he be questioned? Uh-huh. Yes, I see. Well, the moment he regains consciousness, will you call the marshal's office? They'll get in touch with me. Thank you very much, doctor. You don't think Sanford had anything to do with this? All I ask you, Mr. Orville, is where your client is. The Yucca Motel. But if you think he's mixed up in this, perhaps I'd better go along with you. Do you think he's mixed up in it? Of course not. If I did, do you think... And you I... won't mind my asking him a couple of questions without you. Suit yourself. Thank you. Let's go. And although the gunmen failed in their attempt to shoot the government witnesses, they killed United States Marshal Alan Avery and wounded his son, James Avery, a deputy marshal. Ladies and gentlemen, we have just received a news bulletin. One of the two gunmen seriously wounded was picked up by police in a downtown alley. If he talks... Blood in the driver's seat of the abandoned car indicates that the other gunman, still at large, also has been wounded. Jack. The police. There's no way to tie us to this. What if they put the finger on us? Come in. Which one of you is Sanford? What can I do for you? You happen to know Arthur Toledo or George Franklin? Sure thing. They're old friends of ours, right? That's right. That's not what they told me. They said you threatened to kill them. Me? I can't imagine Don't what try to be cute with me, Sanford. I haven't the slightest idea what you're driving at. Then I'll tell you. Two gunmen tried to kill him this morning at the depot. They killed the marshal instead. Excuse me. Hello? Sanford, this is Parker. I need help. Uh, no, I didn't care for the brown material. Gray suits me much better. My tailor. Well, I'm busy right now. Call me back in a few minutes. Have to look my best in court, you know. Oh? I thought you were figuring you wouldn't have to go to court. You know, with no witnesses to support the government case? No, look. Put a guy up for trial and out on bail do something so obvious as to kill a couple of witnesses? It's been done before. I got nothing to worry about. As the law says, I'm innocent until I've proven guilty. Maybe we'll just do that.
Maybe they had nothing on us. Who phoned? Earl Parker. The next door's the one. Uh-huh. Parker said he was shot through the neck. What's with Parker? He's wounded, too. He'll call back in a few minutes. You think Sanford will stick his neck out? Well, the way I see it, there's a wounded gunman out there who needs help and can't make a move. Maybe he'll come back here. Maybe somebody will have to go get him. Out of way, it's our only chance to tie Sanford to a murder charge. You better drive around the block and park where they can't see us. We'll spot them as they leave the motel. get out of town. The police were already here when you called. Jack, you listen to me. And listen good. I need help. If you don't back me up now. Okay, I will come and get you. Where are you? Good. Stay in the phone booth until we get there. Oh, it's panicky. What can we do with him? If he's shot up, we'll need a doctor. We don't have any connections in Tucson. After we get him, the one thing he won't need is a doctor.
you want me to help you, sir? No, thanks, Frank. I'll, I'll get these things myself. is not being here. Mementos. Not even enough to fill a briefcase. As soon as she's finished, we're going to pick up Jim at the hospital. Frank, I want to talk to you about something. We all know that Marshal Avery would have liked you to fill his shoes. I appreciate that, Judge. But the people of Cochise County have re-elected me for another term. My first obligation is to them. Your obligation is to all the people of the state. It's the senator's wish and mine, too, that you take over as United States Marshal. Well, I... Frank. For the time being, at least. All right. For the time being. to make of the episode's opening being clearly for U.S. Marshall, even though it does appear that it originally aired as part of Sheriff of Cochise. My explanation on that would take us back to the early days of television. TV showrunners often used their programs which were airing in order to 
pitch ideas for other series, particularly in season finales. It's what's often referred to as a backdoor pilot. If you watch an older television program, you can tell these easily because your hero for the TV series often ends up getting limited or sidelined, so this person you've never seen before can take the lead. There are plenty of examples of this, stretching into the 1970s. Gene Roddenberry's last episode on the original Star Trek series saw the crew of the Enterprise playing second fiddle to a mystery man on Earth in what was really a pilot for a series called Assignment Earth, which was never made. The very last episode of Green Acres had Oliver opening a letter and reading it, and then flashing to another set of characters that the creators hoped to make another TV series with. And one episode of Adam-12 features brief appearances by the protagonist, Reed and Malloy, who disappear for the rest of the episode so that we can get a pilot idea for a series starring Frank Sinatra Jr. And so I think that's the type of thing you had going on with the season finale of Sheriff of Cochise for season two. As this episode pitched the idea of Frank Morgan becoming a U.S. Marshal, which would be a new direction for the series. Such a shift and rebranding would require buy-ins from producers, from television station managers who would buy it in syndication, and several other stakeholders. So the creative team got to make the pilot episode they could show them and something that could be included in the syndication package for season two of Sheriff of Cochise. It's worth noting that the episode ends on an uncertain note. It's not clear that... Uh, Frank Morgan will become the permanent marshal. And so it leaves things open so that a decision could be made to go ahead with U.S. Marshal, to continue with Sheriff of Cochise, or to cancel the series. And either way, the ending works. And when U.S. Marshal was uh, made as a new series, this could also be repurposed as an episode of U.S. Marshal. And it was pretty common to uh, reuse the pilot in the course of the first season, though usually not for the first episode. TV shows of this era tended to establish the status quo, and then later on you would find out how they got there. The episode itself is a solid outing, with a couple of notable guest stars. Joe DeSantis, who played Jack Sanford, spent many years in New York radio, including as the star of the uh, radio series Under Arrest. The fight scene we get on the stairs in this episode is one of the most insane uh, fight scenes we've had on classic television with barrels being thrown, leg tackles, and plus I'm not certain where Sanford is going at some point, given that uh, Frank Morgan didn't come alone. Now the episode also features Glenda Farrell playing Marshall Avery's uh, widow. Farrell was a longtime character actress in Hollywood's big-budget A-pictures 
in the 30s and 40s. However, she also starred in some B-movies, including the really quite fun Torchy Blaine films. Now, you might wonder what a senator has to do with Frank Morgan becoming a U.S. Marshal. The position of U.S. Marshal is actually a presidential appointment, subject to confirmation by the Senate. And traditionally, the president gives a lot of weight to the opinions of a state senator in making these appointments, particularly if the senator is a member of the president's party. So if the senator thinks Morgan's the man for the job, the president's probably going to end up nominating him. Beyond the utility of the ending for the purposes of the creative team. I like that he doesn't accept the position immediately. It wasn't something he was planning on seeking, and the way Bromfield uh, plays it, he never forgets that Sheriff Morgan just lost a good friend. You'll often have, going into the 1990s, television programs in which one of the motivating factors for a character is that a really dear friend has been killed, and revenge is their motivation. And it grieves them so much, uh, by the end of the episode, they're, you know, and not much time has passed, they're, you know, yucking it up and being all lighthearted or flirting with the next woman to come cross their path. And I'm kind of like, okay, must not have been that good of a friend. But here they really do give it proper dramatic weight, and I really have to respect that. All right, that's all for now.